holiday season. It's blessed, brother. It's blessed. I, I'm, I'm happy we got, we're able to do this. A guy by the name Rob Lee knows you mm-hmm. from um, MTR Podcast. Yep. I was on his show. He was probably my second time, second person I, I was on somebody else's show. And, uh, you know, I just try to support black podcasters in Baltimore. I really, I'm all about that. I like what you got going on with the 100 days until your 100th episode. I think that's unique. It's special in its own way. And it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Because uh, my 100th episode is going to be Black History Month. So that's even better. So I'm just going to. Awesome. So I'm not doing what you're doing, but I'm doing something else. A little, a little different. I hear uh, you. Yeah, a little different. But I like what you're doing, though. Cool. I appreciate it. And you had a good, you had a good Christmas if you celebrate it. Yeah, I had a great Christmas. I have two kids, so it's 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 all about the kids. It's all about the kids and the wife. And congratulations! I saw you just got married. Recently. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. So. Thanks. It's been pretty good. So um, let's get started here. Okay. I I know uh, about you through your podcast, and we follow each other on Instagram, and I'm always uh, checking up on you and listening to episodes here and there. Um, but where are you from? Are you from Baltimore? Yeah, I am actually from Baltimore, Maryland. Are we start recording already? Already? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we. Um, I'm originally from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, raised here. Used to come here every summer, back and forth. Uh, my family moved to Ohio, moved to Dallas, Texas, moved to New York, Houston, Texas. But uh, my home is Baltimore. I always came back every summer to visit my to grandma, you know, cousins and things of that nature. So it's always it's always good. Baltimore's home. Okay. Um... Were you moving around a lot? Did you have family in the military? No, my dad worked for the universities. So he used to work at Georgetown. He worked at Syracuse University. He worked at Youngstown State, uh, Southern Methodist in Dallas, University of Houston, all that stuff in te- Texas, UDC and uh, DC. So like, he's moved all around. It was a great opportunity to, to learn different cultures, le- learn about different ways of life from the South to the North. And so it's a beautiful thing. You can't, you can't, mm-hmm. you know, something you can ever get back. Well, I enjoy it. Was he like, a, was he like a professor or a, what allowed him to move around? He uh, worked in the university system as a uh, public safety. Oh. So he was uh, chief public safety and vice president. So he was, uh, he, he had a law enforcement background. So mm-hmm. that came from, uh, he used to be a Baltimore City police officer way back cool. when. He used to work at Montgomery Ward back in the day, part-time at Montgomery Ward Park where yeah, that's where Montgomery where used to be at. So it's a lot of Baltimore's ingrained. And so we moved all around. And like I said, it was a blessing to move around and learn different things. Did he ever tell you stories of kids that he busted in college growing up? And he was like, don't be like these crazy kids on the, on the campus. You know, it's crazy. I, my dad never let me play with guns. Um, he, like even toy guns, like just saying like toy guns, because he knew what the gun meant. He understood that you have to have respect for it and know what it does. And that's one of the things that I love about my dad. He was like, hey, you, you got to learn this. You can't just be picking up a water gun. I mean, as you saw, Tamir Rice, you know, he got killed with a water gun in his hand. And now I think back in my youth and my dad telling me, you know, don't play with those. You just don't know what could happen. And now I'm like, damn, I'm older now. And I see actually a young kid get killed because of a water gun in his hand. And it just it hits home. So that was one of the biggest things was like, Water guns, toy guns, I was not allowed to have them. And he just made sure that you kind of understand the reason why I'm not letting you have them. So that mm-hmm. was really, really a really deep lesson. That's one thing I'll teach my sons growing up and to respect it and understand it. You know, I mean, I've shot in guns like in the wilderness and the woods and stuff like that, but to understand it and, and respect for it, it's a whole different different aspect of things. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying. I am, um, I'm a gun owner myself. And like you said, you have to have a respect for it. A lot of people, they think, they think that having a gun is like one thing and it's like completely, it's, it's just something completely different. And you can watch TV, you can play video games, you can watch movies and you think you understand how it works. But then when you hold it in your hand and you realize like the weight of the gun, but it's kind of like a metaphor for like your dad was saying, like the weight that you carry when you have that gun. Cause even you, you, cause you can never say like, Oh, it was just an accident. Oh, that's an accident that you can't take back. So like you have to respect it and you have to be responsible. Exactly. I want to talk about growing up for you. So you moved around a lot. What was school like for you? Was it tough since you were always moving? Uh, I think the toughest thing was when I moved from Ohio to uh, Dallas uh, the curriculum, the school curriculum was a lot different. Ohio was a behind in the curriculum, the grade I was in. And when I moved to Dallas, it, it was like, you know what, you can stay in this grade that you're in, 
and do twice as work just to catch up. Or you can move back a grade and be right where you are when school for, for schooling. And, you know, it was a hard decision. That was probably the hardest decision of my life in moving. And could have graduated from high school in 98, but I decided this is back, this is like in third or fourth grade. And I said, you know what, I'll go back. I mean, I, know, I don't know anybody here. Nobody knows about my life. They know nothing about me. I'm starting fresh. Why not? You know, at first, you know, you're young. You're like, I want to graduate with my cousin who I, me and him in the same grade together. Me and him plan to graduate together, go to college together. But it, at the end of the day, it was, it was a great, great lesson. And I'm glad I did it. And now I'm seeing 20 years later, people are redshirting their kids in school just so they can be the oldest kid in class and be the smartest kid in class. And I'm like, damn, was I ahead of the curve for that already? Or, you know, <laughs> so it's kind of crazy how I thought it was kind of shameful back in the day, but now there's mm -hmm. no shame in it now. People do this all the time. They redshirt their kids and they hold them back just so they can be the oldest, and maybe the smartest kid or, uh, you know, ahead of everybody else. Is that something that you would consider doing with your kids? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. If, it, if the opportunity presents itself, um, my my spouse is she's an educator. My wife, she's, so she knows best. She's uh, elementary ed, so she knows best. Sometimes boys take a little bit longer to learn, develop things in nature. So if the opportunity is there, then you might as well. I mean, what's what's the harm of it? They're kids; they don't know. And if it can help them get into college, you know, other people. I'm not going to say who, but other people have been doing it for a long time. We as black people didn't really know about that. And there's a yeah. lot of things you learn. You learn, get older, you start hearing stories, people telling you things like, oh, well, that's how that's how Johnny and Susie got the head of class. Oh, okay, okay, good to know. So you learn a lot of different things when you're out here, man. You learn a lot about life and you're like, oh, okay, I see why they're the head of the class or things that mm -hmm. nature. So it's definitely learning everywhere you go. When you finished high school, what state were you living in? New York. I ended up in New York and I ended up going to Syracuse University. I always wanted to be a Bob Costas or like, you know, just ain't those guys that came out of Syracuse, Marv Albert, I mean, Mike Tirico. I mean, the names can go on and on and on, I can tell you. And it was one of those things where I just like, I'm not, I don't want, I don't want to do this. Do I really want to talk about sports? I like sports, but do I really want to talk about sports the whole time? And uh, I didn't do that. I didn't do that route. And um, it was a good big time communication school. I was up there with Carmel Anthony, Baltimore, native Baltimore son. Uh, he was his freshman year and it was my senior year. So it was 03, 02, 03. That's when you're going national championship. So I was up there when he was up there for that mm -hmm. one year. And I was, I was actually leaving out and he was kind of, he was leaving out too, same time. So it was one year done. I was ready to graduate and get out of there. How far is Syracuse from the uh, Canada border? Cause I know like Buffalo is like a half hour. It's about two and a half, three hours. It's not, it's, it's Western New York. It's like not, it's like, they call it central New York. And then Buffalo is like Western New York. Now mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. We used to go to Canada all the time. <laughs> because I mean, you 18, 19, this is before all the craziness in the world. Because I was in college when 9 11 happened, and we would go up to Montreal, we go to Toronto, I mean, we go to Carabana. If you know about Carabana, whoo, it's like, it's, it's just everything. Every, it's like all the Caribbean islands, and it's been one big party, a whole weekend of party in Toronto. It's an, it's an experience to, to take in. It's, it's one big party. It was like, if you heard of Greek Freak, Greek Neek, Greek Neek, Greek Neek, that was in Atlanta way back in the day. Carabans like that up in Toronto, as up in Canada. It's, it's lovely. What was the difference between going across country lines before 9-11 and then going across country lines after 9-11? I mean, you could just hop in your car, <laughs> you know, hop across the border. No questions asked. The Monty's look at you real quick. Oh, we know what y'all coming over here for. <laughs> y'all need a drink. Said that we, we were help providing their economy. So you had the friend who had the one car. It'd be like, Five dudes in the dag one like Chevy Cavalier. Here's your ID. Go ahead. Now after to that after 9-11, it was a little different because it just wasn't just easy just to get in and out. It was like, all right, you gotta make sure you have everything, like your passports, IDs. I mean, it was legit hard to get into the board country. So a lot of people already had passports already. So I mean, because remember, remember Canada, you didn't need a passport. You didn't need one. You could just go, you can go there for your with your driver's license. The world before 9-11 was like open. You could go to Mexico. I went to uh, Tijuana at 18 years old. I had no passport. I just sent just my license. Wow. It, yeah. So you got to remember the borders were, it was wild, wild west. I mean, <laughs> when you, when you went out, I, you had to have a passport, but before then you didn't need no passport. All you needed was your license. They scanned it. You kept it moving. They knew you were in the country, you know? Um, the last time I was in Canada uh, was 2017. I mean, that then again, that was a whole different ball game. I mean, it was serious. Like you had to, it was like a hundred questions to get into country. 
how long are you here for? What's what's your purpose of it? Where are you staying? And I was like, damn, I'm about to get tell you what, to, what color my drawers are too. Like, that's how it felt. That's how it felt, you know. But I get it. They, I get it. I understand how the world works. But when you flew back into the country, man, they didn't even care about you. What U.S. is weird. It's a weird place. United States is a weird place sometimes. Flying um, back in was kind of like, it was easy. Like Sunday morning, like you walk in the strolling and nobody even asks questions. You go to Syracuse. When you finish up there, what did you do since you realized you didn't want to be a sports reporter? What was the next step for you? So I ended up doing a major in retail marketing. And it was for what it was, is Syracuse was like the number one school for retail mark, retail in the whole United States of America. It was because they had hooked up with Saks, Macy's, Nordstrom's. That was the hookup. And everybody wanted to be a buyer. That was the gig. Like you could be wearing three-piece suit, booted up, looking like Sean John when Sean John was popping back in the day. <laughs> Have all that stuff. Yeah. But then like a weird thing happened. I was There's a thing called the Jeanette Lecture Series at Syracuse. And they have CEOs that come in from Nordstrom's. Every big time retail back in the day. And they would come in and you would get chosen out of the class to have lunch with them. And I remember I got chosen to sit down with Danny Wegman, the head of Wegman's food market. Mm-hmm. Now, when your listeners are probably going to be like, Wegman's, like what the, I mean, Wegman's, I know there's one out in Hunt Valley. I know there's one out in Bel Air. I know there's one out in Rogerstown Road. Wegman's, what's that all about? So if you don't know, upstate New York is Wegman's is Wegman's. That's like, everything up there. That's like how giant was back in the eighties and nineties here in Baltimore. Okay. Everybody, everybody had a job. That was, that was a gig or like general motors. That was a gig back in the day. Mm-hmm. So Wegmans, it was like, they hired everybody. So it was like a big time job. So I'm sitting there eating lunch with this guy. I'm like, man, I, I'm not trying to work for this man. I'm trying to work down in Manhattan, live the life and just be living in Manhattan. And dude was like, I can give you more money and you have better benefits than anything else in the world try us out. So I said, this is the CEO. This is the CEO telling me this in my face. And I said, he was like, here's my car. I said, I don't want your card. He said, I said, why? He said, why? I said, because you give hundred people your card every single day. I want you to write down on a piece of paper, your number. Now you probably ask, why am I, why are you telling me to write down a piece of paper? Ask yourself this question. You can hand out hundred cards a day. And it's like, it's like, it's like, like anything else. When you write something down, you remember what you write down. That's muscle memory. I don't care who you are, what you've done. When you write something down, you're going to remember that. And if somebody says, hey, I remember you spoke to me, you wrote down, you're going to remember that. Mm-hmm. If I give out 100 cards, I'm just giving out 100 cards, 100 kids. I don't really care. Yeah. And I made him do that, and he did that. And then when I had that connection with Wegmans, and what happened was I did an internship with them. And after my internship at the headquarters, uh, pretty much the following year, they offered me a huge, nice deal. And I'm moving to Jersey. So it was, it was lovely. I mean, a great gig. Money was great back in 2003. I mean, I had, at that time, my parents lived in Texas. They moved all my furniture from Houston, Texas to New Jersey. No, no, no money out of my pocket, man. No, I, they, their deal was if you left Syracuse, New York, out of college with $20 in your pocket, you came to New Jersey with $20 in your pocket. And you know, on top of back in the day, they had signing bonuses. Now you a grocery store signing bonuses, all right? They getting paid. Don't don't sleep on it. What it is, they're getting paid. Those guys are getting paid, and um, you know, um, I don't work there anymore. But it was it's a great experience in my life. I really enjoyed it. I I lived in Jersey. I lived on the shore for a year. I mean, you live on the beach. I mean, who doesn't want to live on the beach? You can hit up Manhattan, be there an hour. It was the best of both worlds. I could come back to Baltimore in two and a half hours. I could hit Philly in an hour and a half. I mean, you're 23, 24, 25, you're enjoying your life. You know, you really are enjoying it. So I really enjoyed the opportunity. It was a great opportunity. Yeah, I, w- I want to talk about that, like specifically what it was like to be like a very successful, very, you know, young black man. Because me, I, I'm 31 now. Like people older than me are like, oh, you're 31, you're a baby. But me as a 31-year-old, if I was making that kind of money, living that kind of life at 23, 24, like I wouldn't know what to do with myself. So I definitely want to hear more about that. But more importantly, how did you feel a few minutes after that meeting with the Wegman CEO was done? Like, how did you, how did you pull that off? Because I feel like that was a big time flex. Like, how, how did that even come into your head? It's just because you see it all the time, man. You see it all the time. You see these guys giving out cards. You see it all the time. It's just like, if I give out 100, like you're giving out free giveaways. That's all you're doing. I'm giving out free t-shirts. 
Do I remember who I gave a t-shirt to? No, I don't. But if I sign that t-shirt, uh, I say something very specific. I'm going to remember that. And that was just my thing. Like, cause I had my mind, I was going to work, work for Crate and Barrel. No mm-hmm. I was going to work Crate and Barrel. I was going to work at Tyson's Corner for internship. I always, like, cause I was my thing. I wanted either New York or Tyson's Corner. That was my thing. And you, you know, you're making good, a great, great money coming out. And he was just like, I like what you're talking about. Most people go and like kiss your ass, like, oh, whatever you want. Yeah, no, he was like, cool. And literally, like, I emailed him, I want to say like two weeks later or whatever. He hit me back, was like, hey, I got so-and-so going to reach out to you. We're going to get you in this internship program, get you into this manager training program, executive program, boom, boom, boom. Man, I was literally hired within like a month. I had, and we had to have an internship. To, that was part of our requirement. In my mind, I was like, I'm in Tyson's Corner. I'm in, I'm in Manhattan. And I'll always remember this. I was leaving to go to spring break. I'll always remember this. And I'm and I went and I left it in my house. And I ran back in my apartment. My phone, this is none of the guy. I remember this old school folks. My phone rung in my apartment. My house, my wall phone rung. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. remember, y'all gotta remember it's 2001, 2002. You gotta remember cell phones cost a little money. I had a cell phone, but you gotta pay for minutes. Texting was not free. You got the T9 text pain. Yeah, yeah, brother. You know what it is. I had the Nokia, the snake on the snake game. You know what I'm talking about. And I didn't have that, man. Like, I just, I had a house phone. That's how you got to hold people. I mean, the cell phone, if you had to text somebody, it was like 10 cents a text or something like that. It costs. So, like, people don't understand the struggle of what it was back in the day. So, Mm -hmm. make a long story short, the phone rung. I picked up those wagons call and said, hey, we really want you but you got to answer right now. And I was like, damn. So they flexed back on me real quick because I'm still waiting for these other companies to call me back. I know I got it in the bag, but you know, until you hear them saying you got it, you can't do anything. Yeah. So I said, I'm about to head out. To, I'm about to head to spring break. And I remember that year I went to South Padre. I was going to South Padre Island. And they were like, what do you want to do? And I was like, damn. I guess I'm going to go this route. Like it was a flex. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't not go away, not worry about, I'd be stressing about, I turned this down mm-hmm. and then I don't have nothing. I got to graduate from college. I got to do internship. Literally when I got back from spring break, every company called Nordstrom's Macy's down Macy's that's, that's on fifth Avenue, Saks, Crate and Barrel all wanted me to come in. But at that point I had already committed. And once I committed to something, I don't, I don't renege on it. So uh, yeah. I'm a man in my word when it comes to it. So I didn't, People were like, you could go for them. I'm like, nah, we good. Uh, and plus, the money was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I couldn't, I couldn't pass. And I was living in Rochester, New York at that time. So I was like, oh, and they and they put me up, and they put me in a place. So I was paying for no rent, living in life, and getting a salary. I was one of the few black faces that looked like me during that time period. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to make a statement, and I wanted to make a roads with my comp with Wegmans with Syracuse University, even though they already had a connection now i'm in there and now they have somebody they can call and reach out for so that was that was a beautiful thing also yeah and talk about that now talk to me about the importance as well as just that journey and really you know some of the the fun times of just being like this young fly black man making big money working for wegmans it was beautiful man i mean like i said i was living in living down in jersey living in north brunswick and uh if you know what that's where Rutgers is Rutgers university is new brunswick and I had friends who lived in Hoboken. If anybody knows Hoboken right across the bridge, I'd be in Hoboken almost every day. I'd be taking the Northeast Corridor train to New York City almost every day. I get out of work at five o'clock, six o'clock, I'm at Rockefeller Center having drinks on the skating rink. You know what I mean? That's how it was. It was just, that's, that was the life of living. And people were always asked, did you save money? I'll be the first one to tell you I didn't. I enjoyed life. I, I had a great time. I have no regrets about it because I had a good time. I met a lot of great people. And you know what? It is what it is. You're 23, 24. You know, I mean, my rent was like 1300 a month. <laughs> you know, that was just off the top. Yeah. I mean, we ain't talking about cable. We ain't talking about cell phone bill. We're <laughs> not talking about insurance in your car. So you are up to two G's a month trying to live, you know? And it was cool because one thing what Wagmans did was they paid, they made sure you were, you started off right. They paid for your first month rent and your deposit. So you already had your money in your pocket. So it was no questions. So when you got that first check, you weren't broke. You got that Mm -hmm. second check, you weren't broke because it was paid weekly. So you were good for a month in event head. And then like for the bonus, what they signed, you you figured that thing out. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You know, save the money. But again, like I said, 
I could have saved more money. I didn't do that. But I mean, I mean, I could tell you some stories about just being in New York with Donna Karen and the next seat next to me at the club called Limelight. It was a church. I mean, I'm at New York, I'm at New York fashion shows. You know, you're doing things like, you know what? Things that I wish that I wish I probably could never do in my life, but I did it. Why, why have regrets? And um, that's one thing I lived through, through. That's my motto in life. Don't look back. Don't say, what if I could have? What if I should have? Because you know what? That regret is going to kill at you. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to eat at you forever because you're like, damn, I could have did that. But yeah. I said, God, I held back and I didn't want to. I didn't take that chance. So again, I mean, it was a great time. And luckily, I had the opportunity to move down to Baltimore with Wegmans when they went to Hunt Valley. And again, you got you, you gotta understand how to work the system. Like they are gonna pay for you to move down here. Now you that you you now you're like, all right, I'm back home. They pay me back to get to my house. <laughs> come on, come on, like too many us, you know. And what I have learned, and like so I was with them for 13 years, and it was great 13 years. I have nothing, no regrets. But you know, one thing I always tell people, you know, retail is a great thing. Grocery stores are always gonna be here. They're gonna, they're gonna make money. That's how they are, you know, they and I always tell people that you got to choose what you want to do. I chose to have a family. I chose to settle down. I chose to, I wanted weekends up. I wanted to have that time eventually when I had my kids. I wanted to watch baseball games. I wanted to go football games. I didn't do that for 13 years. I was maybe working on weekends on 13 years. I missed a lot of birthdays. I missed a lot of anniversary parties. I missed a lot of things. So you got to make that choice if you want to keep on doing it. And I decided to move move different direction. Hmm. That's uh, amazing. I, I feel like your life, life was like a movie, to be honest. Uh, you haven't heard anything yet. <laughs> but we ain't going to talk about that. It's not, it's not for here. And that, that's going to get, that, that, go, that, that goes to one of your questions. But when, I, when you get to that question, I'll tell you why. <laughs> sure, sure. It's close to one of your questions you, you got lined up. So go ahead. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, I want to talk more about now just podcasting and new media in general. Um, how were you first exposed to podcasting? Like, was it when you were working at Wegmans or was it your time after that? How, how did you get exposed to it? It was my friend. Shout out to my boy Antoine. Um, he lives in Long Island. He lives in Baltimore, and he was like, "Man, I was in Joe Rogan all the time." I'm like, "Isn't Joe Rogan?" He's like, "Yeah, man, Joe Rogan's our dude." And I'm like, "All right, so I listen to Joe Rogan." And I was like, "All right, I mean, that's cool. You know, that's he's not my thing. You know, yeah. you know, he reminds me of some frat boys I went to college with. That's cool. Like that was a time in my life." He's a, he's an anomaly. He does his own thing. Joe Rogan can do whatever the hell he wants. And he's gonna make it happen. Yeah. So I was like, cool. And then later on, like I stopped listening to it. I mean, it was periodically in the background. And then I, I was in audio books when I was on the road because I used to work on the road for Wagner's. I opened all these stores in Virginia, and I was always on the road, so I had something to listen to. Mm-hmm. And then like what happened was, I saw who did I see it was. Couple other podcasters that were out there who just like no name, like just crazy sorority girls acting crazy, talking crazy, making money. Like I'm like, they can make money off this. They ain't talking about dumb shit. Excuse my language. But, uh, <laughs> they're talking about stupid stuff. I'm like, how are you making money talking about something stupid? So then I was like, all right, whatever. And one of my friends was like, you know, you should do a podcast, bro. You got so many crazy stories. You got so many things that we could talk about. And I was like, listen, I'm about to have my first son. <laughs> you know, I'm changing. I got you. Got to change in time. I got to change my image. Yeah, man. You can't be. You can't be <laughs> talking like you talking back in the day. You know. <laughs> then you got to change your game. You got to switch it up. And um, when my son was born, I was like, you know, I want to make something for him. I want to make something for something for my son. I really want to have some have something that he can be proud of his dad doing. His dad's doing something. And his dad had great people that he knew, and that's well, that was very important to me. Because think about how when we grew up your parents had, your grandparents had photo albums. All right, photo albums was back in the day. Now you can hardly go, you go to millennials house, they don't got no damn photo albums. Everything's on social media. So how can I keep my legacy going? How can I keep myself listening? Audio is always gonna be here. Audio is here to stay. It's not gonna ever go anywhere, you know? And I want to have, so if I, whenever I do pass away, whatever age it may be, oh, my, my dad had a cool ass show. You gotta check it out. Look at listen to his friends. His first friends did this. His friends is that, you know. And that's something to be proud about going forward in life. And I and I that's what that's how the podcasting game came for me. That's how it's that's how I got into it. Were there any specific podcasts that inspired you, or was it just purely like a this is my legacy? 
And I'll tell you, a lot of these podcasts, are, I'm going to keep it 100. A lot of podcasts are trash. I don't, I mean, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. Like, if you, and if people tell, and if people can come on here and say they, they, there are a lot of good ones are lying because a lot of them are horrible. Like, you know, like, it's a lot of frat, like, you know, it's like a lot, you know what I'm talking about, like, the sorority type, the frat type, uh, how can I get drunk tonight? I got drunk, let's talk about drunk. You know, it's a lot of stuff that I'm like, I don't listen to. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to have something that I wanted to listen to organically that I think that my friends, I'm talking to an educated audience. So I want yeah. to, uh, I want my audience to listen that they can be like, damn, I went through that too. Wow, I, I know exactly what he's talking about. That's what I was going after. I wasn't going after just to make a splash. That was that's not that's not how it rolled. So I really didn't really listen to anybody because I just didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't like anything. I really didn't like anything too much out here. And I really didn't listen to anything of Baltimore because a couple of things I saw in Baltimore, like it was stupid storytellers. I, I did I dug some of their stories, I dug what they were doing. And you know, shout out to Jessica Hinkin. Um, that's her thing. And they do they do a great job. They do a great job what they're doing and with the tales and talk about that. It's cool. Um, I wanted to see more representation of me. I wanted to see what I look like. And no offense to the white audience, I've listened to white teachers my whole entire life. I've listened to white media my whole entire life. Why can't I have somebody black talk, talk to me and have a great conversation? To me, the voice that the voice is not heard. Why can't we talk? Why can't we have something that's not, you know, no offense to people who watch Real Housewives of, 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 of Potomac, that's trash. I want something that's educated. That's not like, wow, that's, that's, that's powerful. That's packed impactful. Damn. I want my kids to listen to this. Wow. That's something that, that's what I'm looking for. Again, I can go on, on, on about this, but that's how I yeah. roll on my podcast. Okay. And what, okay. Now that I'm thinking about it, I, I guess what you said makes sense now. So what inspired the name of your podcast? No picks after dark. There you go. There you go. So what happened? The story is that we were all in New York city one night. And I always remember this. And one of my friends was dating a lady at the time. And uh, we were all at the club, we all. So you remember, you know, this is 2003, 2004. I don't know if Facebook's around. I don't know what's Friendster. I don't know what's around at this point. <laughs> I don't know if social media was around, but Black Planet was still around. It was still popping during that time. Oh, you know what? MySpace was popping. That's what yeah. was popping at the time. And um, I remember we all hanging out and um, he ended up, kissing some other chick out that night. And I remember pictures were taken and it's at nighttime <laughs> and uh, the pictures are taken and I'm like, uh Oh, mm. but you know, we all having a good time. So be like, whatever. Next thing you know, it's posted, but not that picture. It was like, they cuddle up in the corner and you know, you think New York's a big city. You think mm-hmm. it is, but it really isn't big when the same circles travel and that that's what happened. So that from that point on, my friends and I had a party for a 10 year straight called the No Pixel for Dark Party. No Pixel at the, it was, all, it was called No Pixel at the 8 p.m. party. That's what it was called. Mm-hmm. And when we had the party, it was, like a, it, was like, it was like the black and white parties. It was all from 2003 all the way up to 2013 we did this. And that was the theme, No Pixel for Dark. You don't take pictures of the dark. When the party started, no pictures. And you, if you did pictures, it'd be a group pictures, a group setting, a friendly setting. And, mm-hmm. but if you look back, none of us really took pictures. And if you look at sports and I don't know if your audience in sports, Dwayne Haskins, what happened to him with Washington Redskins? He just got cut today. Okay. Guess how he got caught? He out at the strip club and somebody did, and they taking pictures of him at the club, clout chasing. He knows better than that, be out there doing what he's doing. But if he went through the model, no picture dark, he'd been all right. <laughs> if you would have just followed, followed your style the mission but you know that but that's the rule but that's the golden rule women and men that was the rule they knew come to the party there was no pictures and that's what made it fun you live the moment and that's what's about living the moment let's get off our cell phones live the moment enjoy that time i'm having with you having that conversation like wow i didn't really know that about that person so that's that's, how, that's where it came from no it's at the dark and I, I think that that's a that's a that's a great name. And then when you hear the story behind the name, that just makes it that much more impactful. So that is truly um, an amazing story. <laughs> uh, what is your current setup for um, making your podcast now? What do you use to edit your audio? How does it all work? Man, I, you know, I was it's a blessing, man. It was a blessing. Like uh, it's funny because I was listening to your hundred days, and uh, there you took to hundred, and it's a blessing, man. I um. First started recording out in my basement. That was where I recorded. Basement, I had a, a Focusrite uh, i18 that had the four XLR mic. Mm-hmm. And um, I rocked with that first. Uh, I used to do uh, 
What's the thing about Apple everybody used to garage band? I started on garage. Garage band. You know, I did that. I started off AT2020, like you talked about mm-hmm. and your thing. Um, as you can see, I moved up to the big boy now. That's the sure. Sir, we go big now. We go big now. We go yeah, big, yeah. sir. I, I gotta, I gotta get there. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get the short seven and seven and be yeah, baby. You gotta get that. <laughs> so you sound like magic on this. But uh, when you're an artist, you start. You want to be creative, and being in your house, it's like hard to be creative. You know, you it's really hard. I got my son upstairs. You know, he's screaming like, hey, you know, I got two dogs. You want to be creative, and it's hard. So what I did was after I did that after my first year, I ended up doing a place called Function Coworking Spot. So it's up in uh, Harford Road, Force, I think, I can't remember the address, but uh, I record out my episodes out there. So it's a very cool, you can rent a room or whatever it may be, an office or whatever, like an office setting. And you pay a monthly fee, you can go in there, have an office and set up a podcast and do that. I flexed out first started with GarageBand. Editing was not my forte. I lost about two or $300 on editing because I had somebody else do it. And then it come found out he didn't know what the hell he was doing. So at that point, I learned, you burn, you get burned, you learn. Mm-hmm. I had my, one of my homegirls who went to Syracuse and went to New House Communications was like, we don't come over your house. I'm going to sit down. We won't get this right. So I said, okay. So then luckily, again, I had a guy who sponsored my show. He's like, listen, what do you want? What do you need? So I love your show. What do you want? I said, I, I, I need the Adobe Cloud. I need the whole, I need the whole kit of caboodles. Yeah. He said, all right, done. Adobe Cloud was my computer next day. Wow. I got so I have the whole cloud. I have everything from edit video editing to regular editing, audition, premiere, premiere, all that stuff. She taught me how to edit from audition. Edit all edit off audition and um I'm learning how to do audition Adobe Premiere. It's same thing, same concept. So mm-hmm. I have that. And then when it re-upped again, he was like, keep on doing your thing. I'll buy this every year for you. No questions asked. Keep the podcast going. We like what you're doing. So that's that connection from Syracuse University. Shout out to Davis. You know, he's a Syracuse grad. He's like, I want to make you, I want to make sure you succeed. So, you know, I'm getting a thousand dollar system for nothing. So shout out to him. I mean, that is that that's a luxury and an honor just to be have somebody actually, you know, and believe in you and do that. So that is amazing. What was that like for you? I've I've been doing this a little over five years and um I've yet to I, I'll say that I don't want to say I've yet to get sponsors for lack of trying. I haven't really focused a lot of time into it, but for you, what was it like to hear somebody say, whatever you want, I got it because I just want you to succeed. It was a blessing, man. It was a blessing. I I was shocked. Him and I were just talking and he was like, I love what you're doing. I love your shows. I go out to restaurants that that the the owners you talk about. I go to the place that you're talking about. I love this. (laughs) Keep it going, you know, keep it going. And you know, it's a blessing. I've only been in for two, I'm going to be two years coming up this March, It'll be two mm-hmm. years. And it's a blessing, man, because like I said, at the beginning, my downloads weren't like that. You know, you know, the game, you're down. The yeah. first, first thing I ask you, what's your downloads? You know how it is. I'll never ask anybody that because it's not, it's not my business. Mm-hmm. Second of all, it's not, it shouldn't be about that. A lot of people will ask that, well, what's your numbers? I'm like, why do you even care? Yeah. You should be like, listening to what you do. So that gives you a little background of like, that's how that the editing started. Got burnt. I got somebody to teach me. Now I know how to do it. So now I've upgraded to the Roadcaster Pro, which is like the Mercedes Benz. Like it's like the Porsche of the systems. That's what I'm talking about speaking through right now. It's one of those things where I just felt like I need to step my game up and get a little bit better and and get more clear and just just be just be on point. You know, with the Shore. I have two Shore mics now, and I'm like. I want to make sure my audio is crisp. Like how yeah. you, you covered a lot of those things in your thing. And it was, it was funny because I'm sitting here like, this is a great thing, what he's doing. But I wish he'd just hold off on it and sell that. Mm. Don't give it away because I'm doing that now. I'm actually teaching. I'm actually with another podcaster doing a work assaulting and giving out teaching one-on-one podcasting. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't give away free money. I know you all, that's how I look at it. I look at it and we have a whole curriculum. Of mm-hmm. everything we've done, like a whole curriculum of shout out to Gary from C Plan Do Show, Baltimore podcaster. Yeah. Um, he uh, again, he has it laid out, and me and him work together. And we have things that we're giving presentations up to the uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha Incorporated coming up in February, and a couple other businesses in February about podcasting and making money off it. So, mm-hmm. like, you got to figure out how can you make money off this and not pay for your hosting site, not paying for Podbean. 
You're not not paying for all the yeah. old things for your yeah. web for your for your website. You're paying for that. You're paying for like the trademark. You're paying for it's something you're paying for that you're like I need my money back somehow. Way I've been fortunate enough this summer I sold merch and a lot of people bought all, had Shopfly or they had um I can't remember other places you can buy off the line where you order the shirt. Yeah. And I said, I'm going to do a different route. I'm going to hustle. I'm going to hustle this. Forget this. I'm not, I want my quality to be great quality. I don't want this ragtag shirt that today is buying off of. So I ended up selling over 300 t-shirts. Wow. At 25, 29, a pop. Sold over 180 hoodies mm-hmm. for $40 a pop. Mm. Merch. I'm paying, I'm trying to make sure I can pay for this roadcaster. I'm making sure I can pay for my little, you know, it's little things that you, you know, you don't think about and that worked out, you know? So again, all that was because this summer, I like you going into, going a little bit, going back a little bit when I won the best of Baltimore, Baltimore Sun. Yeah. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I didn't even know that was even happening. I won that and I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's cool. And then all of a sudden people started listening more, more in Baltimore. Cause originally we even go back further. It wasn't even a Baltimore show originally. Mm-hmm. Give you a little tidbit. It had nothing to do with Baltimore. Baltimore, as a podcast, you either fight it or you go with it. And I went with the wave. And they won, the people wanted what won the Baltimore angle. And that's mm-hmm. when the wave. And like after one Baltimore Sun, then like kind of like what you wanted, congratulations in 2019, you won Baltimore Magazine. I got the same thing in 2020. And then people were just like, we, we really, we really love your stuff. And then I did a Black the Basic series, which blew up. I mean, people listen everywhere, you know, and that's when I sold the shirts. I was like, I'm hot. Hit it while, hit it while you're hot, you know? Yeah. And at that point, everybody wanted to be on the show, man. I'm at the point right now where I remember asking certain people who you see on Twitter who talk the most, or AKA Baltimore leaders. I don't have time to be on your show. Oh, really? Okay, we're in a pandemic. You don't have time? Okay. <laughs> you, you, okay. That, yeah, you know, right, exactly. But now the same people are hitting me up. Hey, you got time? No, I don't have time right now. Yeah. I really don't. You know, I really don't. Um, like, I mean, you were trying to connect to the longest time and I just was busy. I just had a lot of things going on with my, yeah. real, my real job and this, you know, and now this is becoming a job. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to people start listening all over from Cali, you know, everywhere. And then people are like, I want to come on. I want to come on. And it's, it's, it's labor of love, as you know, as a podcaster, mm-hmm. and you you do a great show. Also, you do an amazing show. You do Thank you. like local black people, and I I love that. I love that. I, my angle is a little bit different, a little bit broader. Uh, I, I celebrate everybody, but I can do, you know, I don't I don't box myself in too much because I want to make sure that you can't say, oh, he's only this. Sure. I never I never want to box myself in life in general like that. So I really wanted to make sure I was you know open like that. And then again this fall. A company came to me from Baltimore. It was like, hey, we want to sponsor your show. How much does it cost? Let's do it. I wasn't going to roll it out until 2021. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit, I'm not going to stop. I'm, you know, who, who passes down money? We're going to, yeah. we're going to, we're going to figure this out. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I had three sponsors um, starting in October, November, and December. Wow. And now starting new year, I have four sponsors. And I haven't, I haven't announced that yes. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it on here, but I got, okay, some, I, pretty, I got some pretty big sponsors. Go ahead. No, that's great, man. It's, it's, it's been really great to hear your story. And it's also just very inspiring because there's definitely been times where I'm just like, I'm just doing this and nobody's listening or I'll, I'll get like a, you know, like a pretty notable guest or something like that. And I'll get like a little spike. But as you know, what I'm really just concerned about is like that long term and consistent engagement and um i feel like for me that's been like the most elusive part but again i also realized that for a long time it was really just me not focusing the way that i wanted to that not really i wanted the way that i needed to focus on it and um over the last few weeks you know with my roads of 100 and i'm sure people that follow me on instagram are sick of seeing my face every single day but that's just the name of the game like you said like you got to hustle and um i I'm, I'm, I'm working on my own thing. So hopefully in the new year, I'll have some, uh, some big news as well, but like you're extremely expire, uh, inspiring. And it's just great to know that there is somebody in Baltimore, DC, something different, Philly, New York, like they're, they're different, but somebody in Baltimore to achieve the level of success that you have in podcasting, like that really, honestly, it just makes me feel good. No, brother, you do. Yeah. Brother, you're doing the same thing. I, I tell all, I, 
I tell every podcast I run to, we are all doing the same thing. It's just all about like, kind of like what you said is, is like in a, it's knowing your audience, mm-hmm. knowing who listens. It's kind of like, I'll give you an example. I had a friend, uh, two good friends who owned a bar in Canton, downtown Canton. I remember when they first opened up the bar, the locals who lived next door to them always came, consistent money. You know what they did? They were like, you know what? We need to make a little bit more money. Let's turn into a kind of like a quasi club at night. Remember, remember, they're in Canton. You know, you know, the, you know the demographics down there. So you bringing down different ethnicities and groups and things of that nature coming down to Canton, partying in the, in the in the neighborhood. So this bar wasn't in the square; it was in the neighborhood. So that's quick money. Now, a podcast we could do controversial, get that quick money, get that quick spiking listeners. How much do you want to bet those those that spike is going to last for two seconds? Yeah, and then you're going to drop right back down because they're not going to stay with you. They just wanted to hear that craziness and like what you're saying, consistency. I always tell I mentor two or three podcasters right now, and I'm like, you gotta if you if you drop one Thursday, why are you dropping at one o'clock on Thursday? What is, mm-hmm. what's the point of that, brother? Like you need to drop at eight o'clock, seven o'clock when they're when they're on their way to work, when they're getting up, when they're doing their morning routine. Anything else? That's crazy. You want that? You want them to wake up and have that new episode on their phone. When they, yeah. when they when they when they wake up, so that's like all right. That's the first thing I saw. That's the first thing in your memory. Because you always remember. If it pops up at one o'clock, I don't really care. My, my day is over. I don't really care at that point, unless they're loyal loyal listeners. You know, you gotta really be consistent. That's what I'll tell these guys. And a lot of these guys come out with episodes one Thursday, then they come out another two or three Thursdays later. I'm like, you lost your momentum. Consistency is the biggest thing with podcasters, and I, I think I think I really want more of us black podcasters to join together and work together and do things like what you're doing right now. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing differently? And having these things, you know, like we did a podcast festival with um, for the black podcasters. It was amazing. A mm-hmm. great thing. But it was somebody else who sponsored it. Mm-hmm. I want something that's ours. I, w- I would love to do our own Baltimore podcast festival. It's achievable. It gets easy because everything's remote. If you want to do it that way or you could do it in live. But I feel like too many of us are always on our own thing. And we're not looking out saying, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's better with numbers than doing a solo thing yourself. When mm-hmm. you try to go out by your solo stuff, again, there's anomalies out here that people can make it happen. But I think if there's more people in the coalition of things, you get more exposure. Then people are like, wow, they got something going on in Baltimore. I think the reason why, part of the reason why a lot of us don't talk, everybody's kind of protecting their own thing and everybody is like waiting for that moment where they start to pop and then they're just like well once I get on you know I'm gonna be the man so though people are just gonna be flocking to me anyway which I feel like is normal but then at the same time it's like I, I will talk to other black podcasters and I hear them saying the same thing over like oh you know there's a lot of black podcasters but we really don't talk and you know for me there have been times where I've tried to to work with other black podcasters and they just haven't really been about it and it's just a little frustrating because like an interview following through is just one thing but like if it happens over and over or their terms are just kind of funny or they're moving weird it's just like why why are you why are you you acting this way but I completely agree I mean once once we stop recording here we can talk further or just email back and forth I definitely want to do something like that like 2020 has ruined everything social for everybody but like 2021 you know god willing I would definitely like Uh, to see um, something like that. Um, So I know that we got off track. So let's, let's uh, get back on and continue here. Uh, And you mentioned that you have like, like a day job when you're not podcasting, even though it seems like podcasting, it's bringing you a pretty solid uh, side income. What do you do uh, for a day job? What do you do when you're not podcasting? I do a consultant for the state of Maryland. I do real estate consulting. How does that work? Um, You just real estate, you know, you're buying your you're leasing, you're doing license agreements, you're doing things in nature, you're working with um, residential residents some days, you work with commercial business some days. So, I mean, I work uh, downtown. So it, it's, it's a good gig. It's a great consulting gig, you know. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. Money's good. I can't complain. And, you know, it's not stressful. I mean, let's be honest here. It's yeah. about the money. It ain't about, it's, I mean, you can like all you want, but the bills got to get paid. So, <laughs> yeah. And you like a certain lifestyle, so you, you want to do what you want to do to make it happen, you know? And real estate real estate's great. It's a great time, and I enjoy what I did. I actually worked on the original Red Line 
back mm. when they moved red line. That was something I really loved doing and that got shut down. But uh that's definitely a story for another day. No story for another day. What has it been like for a real estate consultant such as yourself in these times? Cause because I keep on hearing like so many different things. Like people are like, well, you know, buy now because that old lady down the street, she's probably gonna croak anyway, you know, if she, if she gets COVID, so so bye. But then I hear people saying like, no, wait until March of 2021 because that's when stuff is really gonna crash and it's gonna be uh, a great market for people looking to buy a home. So what has the, the environment been like for you? And what would be like your number one piece of advice for somebody in my position, you know, my wife and I, God willing, this time next year, we're going to be in a house. What would be your best piece of advice for somebody in my position? Well, I don't do commercial. I don't do residential like houses. I don't buy houses. I don't buy in that. So I don't, oh, wanna, I I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that. I don't want to put myself on that. I do more yeah. commercial business, like land deals, stuff like that. So I don't do that. Uh, gotcha. But, but to answer your question though, for what I'm seeing in the, in the market right now, I have good friends who sold their houses in Canton. I want to say six months ago, they've been outbidded for the last six months they cannot get a house i know in my neighborhood where i live in northeast baltimore a house goes on sale on monday it's sold by wednesday yeah and that's where we've been looking like northeast baltimore as well so like inventory is just going super fast huh it, it's going it's inventory people are buying because it's a buyer's market people are just like all right let me i mean i have friends who have out got outbid it that's crazy you know outbid it right now and inventory is low in northeast baltimore um it's funny because i have a it uh interview coming up with live baltimore and uh they we talk about that actually so about inventory and house levels and stuff like that and it, they break it down so it, that's it was it's interesting right now um but with my work we're not slow we, we we rocking and rolling this is money <laughs> listen you gotta realize i haven't have nots have money yeah Remember the, the screaming the crop got money they're gonna corporations are gonna do what they're gonna do they're gonna buy property they're gonna lease land they're gonna do what they're gonna do the money ain't stopping i've been busy when people say the economy is bad i don't know for who because these big corporations buying a lot of property, they're doing what they're doing. So I know they buying the easements, they're doing everything. So I know projects ain't stopping. Gotcha, so gotcha. don't let it don't let it fool you. Don't let nobody tell you there's the, the money is out here and people are buying houses left and right. I have two houses in my block right now. They're out for sale. They're, they're gone quickly. People wow. are buying. It's nine. It's it's crazy right now. It's it's like you probably can get a, like my like my neighborhood. You was like you can get a house for like two fifty. It's probably up right now, 300, because that's how the market's pushing it. And when people talk about it's going to, I mean, the market's always going to fluctuate, but people are buying, man. People are buying. You know, I would just tell you to take your time. If you're not in a rush, take your time. Figure out what you want. That's what I'll tell you. We're going to start wrapping up here. I feel like I've just gone on a journey with you. Like your life has, has just been like just amazing. These two questions I always ask uh, my guests at the end of the show. Um, first, what's coming up next for you? And second, how can people get in touch with you? July 11th, that's the new season. Originally it would be July 4th, but not July, sorry, let me sorry, rephrase it, January. I don't know what comes in July. January 11th is next episode that's dropping. The name, uh, I mean, I don't know, when, when are you dropping this? When are you thinking dropping this? Um, if it's the 28th now, probably like mid to late January. Cause I got another okay. episode before this that I got to edit and put out too. Yeah. So once, I mean, by that time it'll be out. So the name of that name of season, so I'll tell you the name of season is going to be called a new pixel of dark mixtape. So that's, I, I mean, when you think about it, how everybody always wanted to be a rapper or a singer or something like that. And you had a mixtape, that's what I'm doing this season. So that's going to be a great season. Um, I can tell you right now who's on it, the controller, Bill Henry's on it. Mm -hmm. uh, the executive director of live Baltimore, Annie Millie's on it. Al Hudson, the, the president and CEO of Visit Baltimore is on it. Um, I have uh, by a guy, guy by the name of Carl. He is the executive of content for Players Tribune. Mm -hmm. He is in charge of all their podcasting. Wow. They get 5 million downloads. For that. And he, Mark Ingram has a show from Ball and Ravens on his thing. So Carl, he's on it. He's uh, Players Tribune up out of New York. I have a CFO of Emerson Collective. That's run by Lorraine Jobs Powell, CFO of her company. It's coming on for my 100th episode. Um, I have Ivan Martin, local Baltimore guy, best Baltimore comedian coming on. So I got another CEO coming on, the Solus Beauty. So I got some heavy hitters coming on this season. And um, yeah. it's a beautiful thing because it's turnkey. People respect what your art, they respect the craft, what you're doing. And they're like, let's do it. 
We want to partner with you. We want to work with you. We see you have the audience. We see that people, the communities behind you. And that's what's all about the communities. The Northeast Baltimore community has been strong behind me. And then it has came, come on to bigger and better things, which is great. Last, answer your last question. You can find me on nopicsafterdark.com. That's my website. There you can find any episode you want on there. Um, you can find me on No Picks After Dark on IG. You can find me at the No Picks After Dark pod on Twitter. And you can find me on the Picks After Dark podcast on Facebook. So I'm on those social medias. I'm also on Clubhouse, um, No Picks After Dark also. So I'm on Clubhouse, a new thing that everybody's on. Um, that's interesting too, because a lot of podcasters on there and mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of things. But one thing I did want to say to you before I get off, I know you got to go. All good. Tell people, and I like what you said. I want people to understand this. People, you're not going to be Joe Millionaire. You're not going to be Joe Rogan from being a podcaster. Not right away, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not the first year. And you said that in one of your things. You said, if you are involved in getting the podcast, I wanted to shout you out in this. You said, if you're getting the wrong reasons, you got to get it for the right reasons. And if you go on that reason to become a millionaire, it's not happening. Because A, it takes time. You have to build your roster you got to build you have that quality you have the quality episodes me and you come on 100 episodes that's quantity now you have that you have that information out there people can take time and say all right he has a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. that's amazing now you we both of us how award winning okay people wow people that's how it happens just because you got when you for your episode started say first you started your new podcast your first five episodes you had all these downloads you're blowing up Remember, there's a curve of podcasting. Mm-hmm. When it goes up, it must come down. Mm. And it comes down quickly because everybody likes you when you first come out. But this, but keeping that people keep people on listen to you, it's harder than you think. Absolutely, so you got to keep at it. I almost quit after six months, and that's a whole different story by itself. But it's a whole different time. But don't give up, and have a positive group around you, people who believe in you. And when people believe in you, they will do whatever they can do to help you succeed. And that's what my show is about community, community being positive and just making sure, you know, now that I've grown to, you know, a little bit bigger audience now, I want people to say, all right, Baltimore in a great light, not in a negative light, but in a positive yes. light. And, yes. and that's one thing that I really want to have pushed through. And that's why I do this every day. I want people to be positive. And, you know, it's a new twist. I can't wait for you to listen to new twists this season. I'll tell you when we get off what I'm yeah. doing. So, Aaron, Dante, no picks after dark. Um, thanks so much. You have a good night. Appreciate it, brother.